the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Chamberlain. How are you doing, Matt? I'm having a pretty good week. How was your Halloween? <sighs> My Halloween was pretty boring. Like you I just out candy? I just worked. I mean, I kind of. I was at a trunk or treat event, like, oh. doing some... Like works related things. I work at a church, so like taking pictures and posting on social media and all that jazz. Um, so my Halloween was okay. How about yours? I mean, I kind of don't like Halloween. I think it's a dumb holiday. So <laughs> taking hot takes before we even get into We're not podcast. even basketball yet. No, I think Halloween's dumb. So no, I purposely avoided passing out candy. You didn't dress up as Scary Terry this year. No, I didn't. Oh, Although man. the. Boston graphics and t-shirts they were putting out for Scary Terry. Look great. I'll admit that. Yeah. Dumb holiday, though. Dumb holiday. <laughs> so you're saying you didn't buy uh, Scary Terry apparel? I thought about it. Well, it's hard because, like, you know he's probably going to leave at the end of the season. I, and that's the thing. I don't want to own anything of players that aren't on my team anymore. That's fair. I hate that just concept. So I'm, I'm not on that. That's fair. That's fair. Um... Before we get into the episode, make sure you're following us on Twitter for those of you listening to us. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod. Um, we're putting out some good tweets, quality content there. We have um, a poll going right now if you're listening to this. Uh, and uh, you should go check it out on our Twitter. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave a tease. And then you should tweet at us uh, your opinion on said poll because then we can have interactions. And then we can talk about it on the podcast in future episodes. Um, so that's our Twitter bit. If you, uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, um, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us. Um, and I think our skipping issue was resolved last week. Yeah, I think it's good now. Um, if, if you are noticing any issues with the podcast, please let us know. Again, on Twitter. Um, that's a big help to us. Matt? Um, never mind. I, that's it. The next segment's me, so... <laughs> uh, failed transition here. Uh, okay, let's talk about the last episode. Uh, we recapped the Celtics-Thunder game we went to. We talked a little bit about Tyron Liu and the fact that uh, Cleveland's a dumpster fire and he shouldn't have gotten fired. Anyway. Maybe he wanted to, but... Maybe he... I mean, the dude's collecting money and he doesn't have to work for the Cavaliers now, so maybe it's a win for him. Um... Best and worst case scenarios in the West for Western Conference teams. And then the game of the week, I had the Warriors-Pelicans, and I predicted it would be 131-121. Or, or, excuse me, the game was 131 to 121, and I predicted 122 to 115. So it wasn't awful. I wasn't awful. And then, Matt, you had the Nuggets uh, jazz game, and and it ended up being 103 to 88, and you predicted it would be 119 to 115. Yeah, unfortunately, Donovan Mitchell left that game. Yeah, Mid, midway through the fourth yeah. quarter, so got hurt. Yeah, it was a close game. It was like a five point game, and then he went out, and things changed. So yeah, kind of a bummer to see in that ending to that game. But I mean, overall, still. I'm sure we'll get it in late March, early oh, yeah. April playoff matchup. Um, That'd be fun. I'm all about it. Now, Matt, it's your yeah. segment. No. Take us through this week's NBA news. So a lot of good stuff happening. Uh, first and foremost, the thing that came to my mind doing this segment first was Dwight Howard made his season debut for, I mean, we're talking about dumpster fires with Cleveland. <laughs> Let's go over to Washington, who's trying to take that title from him. So Dwight Howard made his debut against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, he did. And the Thunder 
134 to 111. He had like 13 points though in that first quarter. It was crazy. I'll say he actually had a pretty decent game if you just want to look at the box score. He put up 20 points, only three rebounds, which is kind of concerning though. He didn't play defense. No, he didn't. His uh, plus minus was a minus 12 in Oof. that game. Did shoot six of eight from the free throw line though. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it's MVP. different this year. MVP. Okay, you said that, not me. So um, that happened for whatever that's worth. After that, uh, Clay hit 14 <laughs> three-pointers <laughs> against Chicago, which maybe you didn't get to watch that game. It's okay. It was basically an all-star game. Yep. Um, they put up 92 in the first half. Chicago just doesn't believe in defense, I guess. They don't. I mean, you're running out there like Jabari Parker and Zach Levine. So I don't... I mean, I get it. Trust me, I do. But they weren't even trying yeah. to play defense on Clay. <laughs> like after he got to about like seven, they're they just kind of like threw their hands up and was like, "Well, this is happening," um, which I really hate to see that. Clay was kept running off screens. It's not like he was just standing in the corner. I'm all for like going and doubling him, and every single screen just leave the roll man. Right. I don't care if Damian Jones gets 40 dunks in the game. Whatever. Do not let Clay get that record on you. But you did. So shout out to Clay Thompson getting that NBA record for most threes by an individual in a game this week, and that of course win against Chicago. Um, just wanted to clarify that they did win the game. <laughs> But uh, other one, Derrick Rose going for 50 in a win against the Jazz. That was classic. Man, that, that was, it was fun. Um, I think someone tweeted out the stat, and we've talked about this off air. <laughs> Do you know how many? Like, we both know the answer, but 656 dribbles. By Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose to get to his 50, and Clay had 50 ish. Yeah, dribbles. I think it was like 59 or something. It, like, the comparison, like, I know, I get it, like, Derrick Rose is not playing with two other great all time shooters. Yeah. That's the difference. And, like, Rose, of course, creates for himself quite a bit. Yeah. So, like, that, but it's just funny to see two 50 point performances and how different they are. And if you're wondering, is 650 dribbles a lot? The rest of the Timberwolves team had 330 dribbles <laughs> as a team. So, yes, it is. He it is a lot. He took the air out of the ball. He did, but they won the game. He actually had the game-saving block, too, um, down in the corner. MVP. So, Derek Rose, that was actually really cool to see. Um, watching him in his prime MVP years to now is actually really cool to see. Um, last couple things. One, as of... Today, which is Monday, November 5th, Larry Drew is the new head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So he's not just the interim because he's signed for this year with also a partial guarantee for next year. I don't... Okay, I have a, I have a real question about this. Why would you want to sign on with a dumpster fire? Well, here's the thing. He wants to be an NBA head coach. I, I guess that. that's He's been fair. to interim that's a lot. Fair. He's that's been to interim fair. a lot. And then two... I think it's smart to go get this because either you get the head coaching job, you know, going into next year, or if the franchise decides to change their mind, you're not getting paid or getting bought out assistant coach salary. You're getting bought out for head coach salary. So I actually really like that for Larry Drew. Cleveland, I have no idea what you're doing, but, you know, cool. Um, Last thing, injuries. I mentioned at the end of the last podcast, I thought some were going to start popping up, and unfortunately I was right. So Kevin Love has a foot-slash-toe injury. Um, He's out about six weeks. What I found interesting is... 
it says he's going to be reevaluated in six weeks. So if they're sitting around something like, oh, I don't know, five and twenty, if that by that time, I'm sure this could be an eight to ten week injury. I, if I'm Kevin Love, I say, I'll come back when you trade me. I mean, yeah, <laughs> at this point, you know, take care of yourself, Kevin Love. Uh, after that, mentioned it before, Donovan Mitchell left that game with an, against the Nuggets with a hamstring injury. He's kind of mentioned as day to day, but they're taking it slow. Makes sense. Still he earlier came back in, the year. in that game, right? Yeah, and then he left again. Oh, okay. so um, they're kind of taking it day by day with him, which I understand. You're only, you know eight games into the season or so. So don't need to rush him back yet. And then last one, both for Chicago, not helping the defense here. Chris uh, Dunn and Bobby Portis both have a sprained MCL, one in the right knee, one in the left knee, both out four to six weeks. So Chicago, I mean, for your purposes of tanking, this is actually really great. For the purpose of not playing defense, this is really great. (laughs) For fans who want to see talent, not great. Yeah. So, sorry, Chicago. Um, don't mean to just keep crapping on I'll you, add but. one more to this. This is kind of a breaking thing. Uh, Russell Westbrook helped to the locker room. They're playing the Pelicans tonight. Uh, he injured his leg, tried to limp off the court, but needs support to reach the locker room, according to ESPN. Yikes. Um, so, not good news for my Thunder. No, nope, um, not great. Especially coming off a knee surgery in the offseason. That doesn't bode well. <laughs> Where he missed the first couple games of this year, too. He missed, like, what, the first four? First two? First two he played because yeah. they played uh, the Warriors and Clippers and then came back for the Kings and that mm-hmm. loss. So, That's right. Okay. Um, so, first two. Unfortunately, but uh, it's never good to see injuries. Uh, hopefully that some of these get resolved. Like I said, if I'm Kevin Love, I'm setting out. I'd say milk that. Milk that all you You have your contract. You are actually hurt. You're actually having a surgery. So, you know, yeah, take care of yourself, Kevin Love. Okay, so let's get into our big podcast topic of the week. Um, So we're going to go talk about biggest surprises so far, teams, players, and then uh, kind of biggest disappointments as well. And then we'll finish up with team of the week. We hopefully will not be an hour and 30 minutes like our last couple of podcasts. We're trying to cut it back because we value your time and we understand you want to listen to other podcasts too. Um, So Matt, why don't you get started off with biggest surprises so far in terms of teams? Okay. So because this team doesn't get a lot of love, and for heaven's sakes, they need it. <laughs> so, Sacramento, um, the Kings, yeah, I'm. They're not going to sustain this right. success right now. Like, I think you pointed out to me that you should you should bring this up that the what Orlando was like six and three to start the season last year, and everyone was kind of on that bandwagon. Yeah. and the, the Kings are again six and three. Here, well, six and four now. Yeah. Um, so anyway, didn't mean yeah, to and here, no, right? you're fine. So yeah, last year I think both Memphis and Orlando started six and three, and then ended the season with twenty seven and twenty five wins respectively. Picks. Yeah, they were, which they needed. Like they did not need to keep at the pace they right. were going. Um, so yeah, they hard fell off the cliff. The same thing is going to happen to Sacramento at some point. But as of right now, six and four, and they don't look terrible watching like they're not doing this whole huge lineup thing that we joked about um in the first couple pods they've tried to avoid that best they can but i mean they still like to play two traditional bigs more importantly though on the sacramento team is the backcourt yeah so bogdanovich is still out 
But De'Aaron Fox is the real freaking Ooh. deal. That triple double, thirty point triple double. Yeah, one of the youngest players to do it too. I'd say thirty De- points. De'Aaron Fox is twenty years old. He'll turn twenty one here in about a month and a half. So real young still. He has been up across the board in every single advanced statistic compared to last year. So in case wondering what those numbers kind of look like in comparison to last year, currently he's playing about 32 minutes a game, which is what you'd expect. He was playing 28 per game last year. He's averaging about three more shots a game about an, and one more three-pointer a game. His percentages have gone up. Field goal from 41 to 50. Three-point from 31 to 36, which if you can get De'Aaron Fox at 36% from three, I think that's, that's pretty good. That's really valuable. Rebounding's gone up from three to five a game. Assists have gone up from four and a half to seven and a half per game. And then one other thing that I like from him is that his plus-minus numbers went from negative 5.7 last year to a positive 5.9 this year. So an 11-point flip. There are other advanced statistics we can get into, but just those alone start to reflect the growth that he's having as a shooter, which maybe it doesn't quite sustain over the course of the year, but it looks good. Like The shot looks good, whereas last year he was just running as fast as he could and just throwing the ball at the basket. This year it looks like he's playing point guard. So I think first and foremost, De'Aaron Fox is kind of making this team look like an NBA franchise, which they haven't had in a few years. Like As crummy as that is to say. And the second one that might actually hold up is Buddy Heald, which I was not a Buddy Heald fan coming into the draft a couple years ago. But his shooting is very real. Last year, he shot 43% from three. The year before that, 39%. Currently this year, 48%. He's probably not going to stay at 48%, but he's a mid-40s three-point shooter. Which is really, really good. That's incredible. And then averaging 20 points per game right now, that'll probably drop off to 15 or 16. That's still solid, though. I really like that for Buddy Heald, the contract you have him on, and kind of what you need him to do, which is just be a shooter and play decent defense. He does that. A little turnover-prone so far, but that's honestly okay with me. It's crazy to look back at that Cousins trade and think that the Kings won that. Yeah, it is weird. The Pelicans really didn't get anything out of it. They got a year of boogie. Like what? But what did they like? They didn't get a pick or anything, right? I don't think so. I mean, you wouldn't have gotten a pick with Boogie, right? So I don't. I don't know. Like I don't. It's weird that the Kings were kind of smart in that situation. What? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) So make sure the audio was good on that because you might never hear that again. Yeah. So I've actually been impressed with the Kings what they've got going on with that, and then the joke of it being like. They're playing four centers. Okay, they're not playing four centers at one time so far. But Willie Cauley-Stein has looked good. Yep. Uh, I This is the one name I have trouble with. Namaji Bielitsa. I got the last name right. That I, I was saw someone tweeting how, how weird is it that that might be one of the most underrated signings of the summer? The guy that, the Kings stole from the 76ers? Yeah, that he backed out, and he's playing phenomenal for the Kings. Yep. And, like, they, the 76ers, like, it's so clear that they desperately need that shooting in their A lineup. stretch for who can kind of play make and knock down shots. 
Yeah, it's exactly what they need, and they don't have it. And Belly could have been that. Yeah. But instead, he's in Sacramento because Vlade Divac convinced him <laughs> to come over. Yeah, really weird. Bagley hasn't looked bad so far. And then Harry Giles, his role, they're kind of easing him in at this point, which I think is smart. You're not trying to win. Yeah. I'm impressed with the Kings. One, how they're actually playing. And two, how they're bringing these guys along. Dave Yeager kind of figured it out. He tried to, and if you remember, he was in Memphis, and he tried to get that team to like run, and Mark Gasol was like, no. <laughs> and you're fired. <laughs> and then he got canned. Yep. So now he's in Sacramento, and he's like, no, De'Aaron Fox, run the with the ball. Buddy healed, like push the ball. But it's kind of the classic John Wooden saying, play quick without playing fast. Yeah. And they're doing that and it looks like a decent product so shout out to the kings this may be your only shout out in a positive way all year but good on you at least they got it they have a direction like that's the thing that yeah i think this team has like desperately needed is a direction yeah. just go, pick one go something yeah figure it out like if it doesn't work great then you can start rebuilding and start again. this process over again but i i think fox has been like you kind of pointed out fox has been really good i like that i like the pick they had last year in him yeah um, i didn't love bagley i thought they should have taken uh, like every other team who passed Pass on Luca. I thought they should have taken Luca. I mean, of course, but for what he is and what they need for, him to for be what right he's now, been, it, it's been good. Um, yeah. Willie Collie sign is a nice, um, nice piece. I don't know if this team were to become a playoff team, which it could be in the next couple years. I don't know where he fits in that. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of nice to see a team that's starting to turn the corner. Maybe? Yeah, and well, with Willie Cauley Stein, part of it's going to depend on his salary moving forward because he has a qualifying offer next year, so he could be on the market. Mm-hmm. So smart would probably be some getting him for anywhere from eight to. $12 million a year. Yeah. Any more than that, you probably have to let him go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, depends on how this year goes. The that, Kings are infamous for pay, overpaying I'll say, players. They'll though. probably overpay him no matter what, but maybe he's worth the contract, maybe not, depending on how this year goes. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see how that plays out. But I like what you mentioned. They have a direction. They have a plan going forward. It'll just be whether or not they stick a head coach around long enough to make it happen. Yeah. And then if the dude's then can therefore keep developing in this system. I think it's kind of funny you look at Memphis. Like, not that Memphis is really bad right now, but, like, Fitz in uh, New York. I think yeah. that team he has that team playing well for yeah. what, what's on that roster. And then Dave Yeager, like you mentioned, play, has, has the Kings in a really good spot. Which, coach of the year for that. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, if the, if the Kings make the playoffs, Dave Yeager is coach of the year. I don't care. You can't convince They can be the eight seed. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's kind of interesting that two former Memphis coaches are now – Doing, doing respectively well, well with post, not a lot of talent. Post Memphis, yeah. yeah. It's kind of interesting. Okay, well, my good surprise so far. I don't know if it's necessarily a surprise. Um, they're better than what I thought they would be, yeah. and that's Milwaukee. Gian- we knew Giannis was going to be good this year. That's an understatement. We knew he was going <laughs> to I mean, we both picked him as our MVP. Um, but the pieces around him have been so much better. Dur- I love the uh, draft pick, Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah. The dude has been playing really well off the bench. Eric Bledsoe is playing better. 
Uh, everyone's benefiting from, you know, uh, the new coach there. Uh, Mike Budenholzer. Mike Budenholzer. And so it's just... It's just kind of nice to see Milwaukee take its footing and take its place yeah. um, in the East. And I think we've mentioned it on the f- before, but I think Milwaukee really has just taken over. Yeah, they have. And, and for the 76ers. Um, this year, they're top five in net rating. When I look this up, yeah. the uh, stats can change all the time. But they were top five in net rating, top five in defensive rating, top five in three pointers, which hasn't been a thing in the past, and chucking it. Top five in assists per game, so the ball's moving really mm-hmm. well, which is good. Um, Chris Middleton has been playing really well. He's around 20, po- 20, um, 20 points per game, which was what he was last year. Mm-hmm. But he's doing it with more threes and more efficiently. Yeah. So that's kind of what you'd like to see from their pieces there. Um, I think Jabari was probably letting Jabari walk was one of the better decisions. I think so. Um, and that's kind of tough to To say, say. Ursan Ilyasova is a better player well, than Jabari. Going back to the Sixers, they're kind of missing him too. I'll say Ursan would be perfect. For what they were wanting, yeah, a four-five type of dude who can stretch the floor and pass the ball and can kind of at least try on defense. Yeah, sounds perfect. <laughs> right, and it's like they've built this team really well around Giannis. They've put three-point shooting around him. They've given play- other playmakers around him. Yeah, um, I so think that's the biggest thing. It's just starting to mesh really well for Milwaukee, and you can tell they they went and beat uh, the Raptors. It, even though Kawhi and Giannis yeah. were out, that was disappointing. Toronto's still really good without say, Kawhi. And obviously, you've seen what like what Serge Ibaka can do if he gets hot. Thirty-four, what thirty-four say, points? He's made fourteen straight shots to start the it, game. If if Serge Ibaka puts up thirty-four points in the playoffs, I'm going to eat my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> you can record. You heard that here, folks. I I, I guarantee you. In the, this, I've seen this story play out with Serge Ibaka yeah. before. He's really hot at the start of the season, and then by dies off, dies off. Yeah. Um, but well, Siakam's really good for Toronto. Yeah. Going back to them, um, they're kind of maximizing Kyle Lowry. They're maximizing all the other parts they have, Fred Van Fleet, and different things like that. Danny Green's been incredible. Danny Green's and, been so good. <laughs> so you can say, oh, they didn't have Kawhi. Well, Milwaukee didn't have Giannis, and they still won the game. I think it's yeah. really important for those role players to step up uh, for Milwaukee in that type of a setting. Yeah, good on them. Yeah, good for Milwaukee. Kind of taking over that place from the 76ers. Mm-hmm. And we'll touch on the 76ers, yeah. I think, a little bit later. Yeah, we will. And last thing is Dante DiVincenzo has the best nickname in the NBA, the Big Ragu. What when, in the world? I've <laughs> heard, heard this. this? Oh, Buck's Twitter loves the Big Ragu. That's like, amazing. I'm just, he makes me, I love the pick. Like you mentioned, I loved it too. Just makes me like him even more. Yeah. It makes me want, like, I hope he, like, can somehow start. I don't know how that'd work. I mean, I guess you could go Bledsoe, DiVincenzo, Middleton, Giannis, yes. Lopez. Yeah. And that'd be really fun. I don't know how much defense you get on that, but I don't really care. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's interesting you bring up his starting. I think he's a better coming off the bench because... Oh, I do too. When but. they signed Del, uh, Del Vidova, I think that this is what they wanted Del Vidova to be. Just like a hard, like, come off the bench, and, play hard, shoot yeah. threes. Yeah, and just kind of be smart with the ball. Yeah, and Delhi just really hasn't been able to do that. Is he even getting minutes anymore? <laughs> um, I would honestly have to look, and I if I have to look, then it's probably not much. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. That's yeah. interesting. Anyway, 
Shout out to Dante Vincenzo. And Milwaukee. All right, Matt, let's get to your bad surprise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I almost felt bad just picking them because I feel like we've crapped on them a lot, but I had to pick Houston. And it's partially because I didn't expect it to be as bad as it is. It's bad. I and, told you. I told you in the in our pod that they would take a step back. I mean, step back is one thing. Starting the season the way they started the season and playing how they've been playing, it's pretty atrocious. So, <laughs> at the time of this podcast, they're four and five. They've won three straight to get to four and five. Oof. I think that's really important to know is that it's gotten better, and that includes tonight's win against Indiana. Yeah, they won 98 to 94. So that's really interesting that, I mean, we didn't get to watch the game, didn't get to see it. But yeah, that's actually kind of a quality win. Um, So I want to look into that a little bit more. But a few things have come up that have taken me, not super by surprise, but it's surprising how much it's already started to come up. So one, James Harden's kind of been hurt. Yeah. Um, he's had some hamstring issues, which we, I understand. Like, I get that. Usually this doesn't start popping up for Harden this early. Yeah. Like, he's one of those dudes, like, he's so strong. And I know he's not a perfect athlete, just pure athlete, but he's in usually really good shape. And he usually doesn't seem to miss tons and tons of games, especially early in the year. And he is so far. So that's a bit concerning. I'm trying to ease him back in. Makes it Chris Paul's team, which that wasn't really a thing last year. It was always James Harden's team, and then Chris Paul came in. Yeah. This year it's been a slightly different dynamic, so I'm interested to see like how that back and forth kind of works out as the year goes on. Um, we crapped all over Carmelo, <laughs> that signing, whatever the heck Houston thought was going to happen, the expectations there, and the defense. But I just want to reiterate how terrible this is looking right now like it took him facing the Brooklyn Nets to one have a good game yep and two not just wreck the team yeah I know like I can't pin everything on Carmelo and that's not fair too because it's not just him there's a lot of problems with this team but this man seems to have caused so many flaws in their defense knowing Chris Paul's a good defender but he can't play defense on the second best player every single minute of yep. the game. James Harden, already not a great defender, and with him being out, makes it worse. Clint Capella can do a lot of things, but he can't cover it, everyone's mistakes. Against against the Warriors, you can only pay, play him like 25 yeah. minutes at the most. And then P.J. Tucker looks like the only dude who consistently comes out with 100% effort every single game. Yep. And again, he can't make up for everything. Right. Eric Gordon doesn't play defense. Carmelo in himself isn't the problem. Adding Carmelo to this team and thinking he's going to help your problems is a problem. Well, that's the thing. It's like when you get rid of Ariza and um, and Bogmute, you're going to, like, you miss those role players. And that's what this team thrived on last year was that top 10 defense, top 10 offense. We're going to, we are going to. We're going to prep for the Warriors essentially all year. We're going to be switchable. We're going to play crazy defense. And then this year, it's like, are you are you planning on switching Carmelo Anthony yeah. with everyone? No. What? You can't do that. And just 
looking at this team a little bit more, a lot of people around the team have just said they don't seem as mentally together because last year they were so focused on beating the Warriors, and that's what they prepped all season for, like you said. And this year, it's almost, no one said it, but it's almost like they realize that was their best chance. The window is closed. And now it's just, well, let's see what we can salvage from that team and what we had going for us. That's pretty depressing. Um, That's a rough outlook, yeah. Because your stars are aging there. Like, Harden is, what, 28, 29, so he's got some years left in his prime. But... Chris Paul is now 33, 33 or 34, yeah. and he only has a couple more years, maybe one good season left. Of what we all know as Chris Paul. Right. He can still be a really good player. Dwayne Wade's is still a really good player late into his 30s, but there's, there's, there's a, a time, context there. Yeah, there's a time where you, your body just catch up, catches up with you. You can't play at the same speed you're going. You yeah. can't carry the same. I mean, like you saw in game, what, six, he got hurt. Game yeah. five, he got hurt. He played a lot of minutes in the last season. Yeah. You have to think that, okay, well, maybe this is a, a cause of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it, I mean, we've said it over and over. Like you said, Houston's in such a top, tough spot. And none of it, it's just like a roster. Yeah, that's, it that's what it is. It comes down to the roster. I don't think it's anything like in leadership there. I think Daryl Morey's super smart GM. Uh, Mike D'Antoni is a really good coach. It's just like... What do you have to work with at this point? And so like looking at the game against Indiana tonight and who they had suited up and playing. So they started Paul and Harden in the backcourt, James Ennis, P.J. Tucker, Clint Capella in the frontcourt. Honestly, if that's just your starting lineup, that's not actually that bad. But then coming off the bench, okay, we've mentioned Mello. We've, in previous podcasts, jokingly mentioned Gerald Green, which I like Gerald Green, um, but not playing 16 minutes a game. That's a lot of minutes. And then after that, it just falls off a cliff. The other two guys that played tonight were Gary Clark, an undrafted free agent out of Cincinnati, which, honestly, he could have got drafted in the second round, but he didn't. Played 23 minutes tonight. And Isaiah Hartenstein, Played seven minutes. He's a backup center um, from Germany, I think. And his, I think this is his first full year in the NBA. So if that tells you anything, they played a seven-man rotation tonight, essentially, of dudes who might actually play in the playoffs. And Gerald Green is a maybe will play in the playoffs. He didn't get minutes in their Warriors, yeah. Warriors series. <laughs> Michael Carter-Williams uh, didn't play. Marquise Chris didn't play. Brandon Knight is still out for the rest of forever. <laughs> so, and the next thing I had written down was depth. Like, what happens if James Harden gets hurt or Chris Paul right. gets hurt? Clint Capella gets hurt. Like, what happens whenever one of these dudes who are in their 30s or just have types of games where you get hurt a lot because that's just their style? What do you do? Carmelo and Gerald Green are what you have right now, and that's very clearly not going to get it done come playoff time. They have to be buyout market candidates for different guys coming out of you know maybe the clippers if the clippers fall out of it pretty early or different situations like that because as of right now like there's there's nothing good yeah. happening i really wish heard the report that tyson chandler is getting waived or bought out by the phoenix suns and that he's he's going to go to the lakers would have really loved to at least for them to got a meeting with Tyson Chandler. Yeah. Just as a backup center, not going to play very much, who will pick 
roll, and play defense. It dunks. Essentially yeah. does what the Rockets it's, do. Yeah. Sh- shoots really close to the rim and plays some semblance I'll of say, defense. Just old version of Clint Capella. Right. Which, at least it's having that guy on the roster would have been nice to have considering you have very literally no other options. At least to get you through the regular season. At the very least. Yeah. So... I would have I would have loved for that to work out or something similar to that and it just hasn't. It's been a tough start for Houston. They're on the up and up, but let's see, you know, how much this actually keeps up or, you know, if these problems can kind of get shoved under the rug for a little bit, but then come back out closer to playoff time. My hot take of the Denver Nug- Denver Nuggets are better than Houston Rockets. Not so hot anymore. I'll say that's just kind of like, oh yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really concerning. Uh, so that's interesting. All right, okay, what, what was your bad team? My ba- bad team because I watched them for the first time this week <laughs> um, when they played the Thunder, and holy God, they don't play defense. The Washington Wizards again. We knew they would struggle. It's again to the degree of struggle. Well, you called it. You said they would be the eight seed, and I thought I said eight seed if they make it in. <laughs> in the back of my head, when you said that, I was like, they're at least. A five. Maybe. Like they, they get, should be. They have the talent. I mean, theoretically, they have the talent to get to that spot. Their window has completely closed. Like, oh, it's done. What? Who, whoever you think of them as a... If they were a contender, if you ever thought they were a contender, it's done. It's done. Completely. Uh, Wall, he... Like, the game we watched against uh, the Wizards, Wall, uh, coming out of... Halftime had Terrence Ferguson left him wide open in the corner. Literally, Stephen Adams tossed the ball into Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook chucked it ahead to Terrence Ferguson, and Wall was off in some corner doing yeah. nothing. And Terrence Ferguson hit a wide open three. Yeah, like this is out of this is basketball basics. This is saying I got this guy, and you're yeah. getting paid close to what forty million dollars next year. I think that'll kick in next year. Yeah, forty million dollars to not know your defensive assignment. It's like, and here's the thing, guarding Terrence Ferguson, you don't have to play that much defense. <laughs> it's literally the, one of the easiest assignments you could ever pull in the NBA. Like, you know, don't let him backdoor you, stay on him in three-point line. He's not going to dribble the ball that much. Nope. So, like, literally the defensive effort you have to put forth is zero. Is yeah. like zero to five. At five percent. I don't know. It, it's just, and like, watching that game... The Thunder got to the paint so easy, and when they did, they the there was no help, there was no rotation, there was no talking. They nope. didn't talk. They you don't just set talk. a screen, and if you can then get by Dwight Howard, which at this point in his career you can do, yeah, it's a layup. And like, there's no there's no contest at the rim. There's no nothing. A lot of people looking around at each other, wondering what the heck's going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, the talents there, John Wall, I think is good. But I, I would like to. I guess this question comes up, and I kind of want to ask: Where is John Wall? Like, what is he? Like, what is he as an NBA player at this point in his career? He doesn't have. He's a what, Russell Westbrook without the accolades. He has yeah. no MVPs, no what, no conference finals appearances. Yeah, no finals appearances. So why are you paying him forty million dollars? I'd say that'll kick in the twenty. 20- 19 2020 season at I looked it up 37.8 and then after that it goes up to 40.8 43.8 and then 
46 point oh god eight. that's a player option i'm assuming he'll pick it up also fun fact if he gets traded that 40 that last year goes up to just over like 52 53 oh <laughs> anyway and that's probably why no one will ever trade for that contract that's um, like 50 percent of the cap at that point, yeah, it'll be still probably under 50 by that point. But, yes, I get it for John Wall, who, like you said, is not an MVP guy anymore. He's just not. He's probably the best non-elite point guard like, or, is he, or the worst elite point guard. Okay, let me, ask, it. let me ask you this. Would you rather have Rajon Rondo or John Wall? Considering the contracts they're on, Rondo. Okay, t- take contracts oh, out. Um, just talent alone. <laughs> I don't like that I'm having to think about this. See, that's the issue. Uh, but that's kind of the problem. Is like Rondo has gotten bounced around the league and has a kind of a really terrible reputation at this point. Right. And John Wall is still like this borderline beloved figure. Yeah, no. It's a wash for me. It's a wash. <laughs> See, that's, it's a wash. That's crazy. Wall, Wall's more talented, but to be honest, I don't want him leading my football or my. I'm sorry. I'm watching. I'm watching the Cowboys Titans game. I don't want him leading my basketball team at all. Yeah. Like, there's no way. And you just watch him. Like, his body language sucks. Like, he's, <laughs> he's the worst leader I've maybe ever seen. Like, this dude Kentucky can't lead a team. Sur- How did John Calperi survive those egos with <laughs> Boogie Cousins and John Wall? John Wall. Yikes. The, yeah. I, I mean, it's... That question in itself, I think, is where we find the Washington Wizards. Yeah. Just, like... And, and we talked about the Kings having no identity. I don't think the Wizards have an identity. No, they don't. They just have talent. And a lot of people are mad at Otto Porter. Like, oh, it's all Otto Porter's fault. We're paying him tons of money to not do anything. One, it's not like the Wizards, I don't think, necessarily wanted to pay him that much money. He got an offer sheet from the Nets. And if they wanted to keep him, they had to sign him to that. Yeah. And then two, his numbers when John Wall is off the court kind of match the value of the contract. Yeah. It's when John Wall is on the court and they say, if you touch the ball, shoot it because that's the only time you're going to ever touch the ball. Like, yeah, his numbers probably kind of suck. But then you get mad at him for shooting the ball too early in the shot clock. But if he doesn't shoot it, he doesn't get the ball back ever. Like, there's no winning for Otto Porter. Brad Brad Beal's basically come out and said him and John Wall are pretty much like over each other at this point. And then Scott Brooks is probably just like, I have no idea what to do. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough spot for Otto Porter. Like I understand the frustration with the contract. I thought it was a bad contract, but if you think about a wing who plays defense and shoots threes, that has a ton of value in the NBA. I don't know. Like it's just, it's, and I have in my notes here, going back to the identity part, 26th in offensive rating, 28th in defensive rating. So they're That's bottom, not just Otto Porter. <laughs> that's bottom of the league in both offensive and defensive stats. So it's like you don't, you're not good on offense and you're god awful on defense. You're bottom five on in yeah. both categories, which is not good. Um, and they have the talent. Bradley Beal is. And really good player. I I think that at this point the Wizards need to blow it up and just get as many draft picks as they can. It kind of sucks that now you have to. I I don't think there's any way you can trade John Wall. You can't trade John Wall because of that contract you just yeah. said. No one's going to pay him fifty two million dollars. Like at a year. least with Blake Griffin, like equal, same contract. Like 
at least he kind of seemed like he saw his value or he's fun enough and like kind of go like happy go lucky enough to where you're like oh we suck but that's okay it's it Blake Griffin it's nothing the Cl- the Clippers issues weren't with Blake Griffin mm-hmm. it was that they just never could get over the hump whatever you want to take that as yeah I think Blake Griffin could be a really good player. He's played really well this year. He has a 50-point performance. Yeah, and, he did. Um, shooting really well from three, which I don't think will hold up. But It's a good start. It, I think he's. I think you can sell to an owner, hey, we're going to pay this guy $50 million, yeah. but he'll sell his jerseys, he'll get people in seats. They, and just, we, ho- they just opened that brand new arena. Yeah, and we might also, we might make the playoffs with this dude in the yeah. East. Whereas with John Wall, like, even if you make the playoffs, you don't feel good about it. No. So, yeah, no, that's just a just terrible situation. And I don't know how they're going to fix it because it doesn't seem like their GM or anything has, like, an urgency to change anything, which is concerning in and of itself. Yeah. Um, so the Wizards are... Wizards are bad. Understatement of the year. Yep. Okay, let's move on to players. Good, surprising players. Matt, who you got? So, uh, first one, and this is the first name that came to my mind. DeMar DeRozan. And we've talked about him last week with the Spurs and how much they've been able to still kind of look like the Spurs. When in all honesty, I wasn't so sure if that would happen considering they lost all their franchise cornerstones from their championship teams with the the big three but then also Kawhi you just don't know how these things are going to work no you get I mean you trust Greg Popovich but on some level like you don't you don't know how these other dudes will respond to him and DeMar DeRozan's gone great so far this year his field goal percentage is up his rebounds are up and something that I particularly love, his assists are up this year. He is currently averaging 6.7 assists per game for San Antonio, which is a career high for DeMar DeRozan. I've never thought of him as a creator. He's always seemed like an ISO dude. Always seemed like a guy who, once you give him the ball on the wing, it's sticking. And he's putting up a long two with 11 seconds left in the shot clock. <laughs> Terrible. But this year, it's not so much the case. And maybe that's partially because San Antonio doesn't have a point guard. They have Patty Mills, but outside of that, DeJounte Murray got hurt. Derek White got hurt. They got no one else back there. And so kind of by default, DeMar DeRozan's been left as a playmaker. And his turnovers haven't gone up, but his assists fairly drastically have. So I've been really impressed by that. And that's all knowing his three-point percentage right now is down. Like, he's not shooting the ball well from three, but he's doing everything else well and kind of compensating for that. And so that's something that I don't want to say I'm surprised, but I'm glad to see that even if he's not playing well in one area, he's finding so many more ways to affect the game than he was in Toronto. Also, he already has that one-game winner against the Lakers Mm. uh, this year. Love it. Uh, The classic DeMar DeRozan long two, (laughs) pump, pump, pump hit loved that and then last thing i think he's playing pretty well with lamarcus aldridge i haven't got to watch a ton of spurs basketball but they seem to be working out well and just about whoever they put out on the floor with him he's meshed with so demar Derozan has been impressive and last couple things want to throw out there they haven't been terrible defensively with him out there which (laughs) demar Derozan and defense 
usually not a good thing when you're talking about those things together. But this year, even, I mean, don't get me wrong, has been great. But his net rating has been positive. And also his kind of alluded to it assist turnover assist turnover ratio much much better this year than it has been in years past almost twice as good as it has been throughout most of his career and then his usage rate is sitting at about 30 percent which is normal but that tells me he's not necessarily having to be a scorer he can also be a distributor and getting that usage still really high in lots of different ways lots of different ways than he was in years past so I think him diversifying his game and really fitting what the Spurs needed has been incredibly impressive for me yeah the DeMar DeRozan revenge tour it's what I'm here for this season I know you are Uh, I I mean I've been I didn't think the Spurs lost the magic I think last night not not good but uh I've been impressed with the rest of the season. Like say they're sitting at six and three, which is, I mean, a good start at the very it's least. It's better than Thunder and better than the other two teams <laughs> yeah. we talked about earlier. Um, so I I like the pieces there. Rudy Gay has played well, also kind of yeah. play fitting in that role. Um, there's it's just kind of a fun, interesting team to watch out for. I don't know. They're probably not a championship contender this year, but you have Lamarcus locked up and you have Demar locked up, so. Maybe it's just kind of a long-term waiting thing. Yeah. Um, and knowing R.C. Buford and Greg Popovich, who knows? Maybe they might get someone else to come play with them um, in San Antonio. So it's I, I'm, I'm, I like DeMar. I thought he was a sneaky MVP candidate last year, like in the five-ish range, like top five. Mm-hmm. Um, he played really well and I think kind of got a lot of hate for how Toronto ended their season last Again, year. Again, not completely his fault. Somewhat his fault. Not completely his right. fault. It's always in the middle, right? It is. Most of the time. In John yeah. Wall's case, it, it's... John Wall, no, it's just John Wall. <laughs> but with DeMar DeRozan, no. I, he's a good player. I think the Spurs have done well maximizing what he can do. Yeah, absolutely. So I alluded to him earlier, but I will talk about Chris Middleton and my good surprise. Um, I was looking at his stats, kind of... I, have a shout out to Zach Levine because he's top ten in scoring, which take that as you as you will, but like I think Zach Zach Levine's been playing really well. Has has game winners multiple yeah. this year? So here's the thing with Zach Levine is he's doing exactly what Chicago needs him to do. He's playing well, he's giving the fans some hope, and they're still losing. <laughs> like that's exactly what Zach Levine should be doing for Chicago. Yeah. Um his shot, like you've said. It, it looks, it looks good. so good. It looks good. It's pretty. He might have the prettiest three-point shot, or it's a jump shot, period, in the NBA, which is crazy to say when you have uh, uh, Clay Thompson and yeah. Steph Curry. Uh, but he has a really pretty jump shot. Um, anyway, back to Chris Middleton, because that this is my good surprise. Um, like I alluded to earlier, he's right now... He has 19 po- or nineteen points per game um, in the nine games he's played. Um, in 30 minutes, and last year in his 82 games, he had 20, 20 points in 36. So he's doing it a little yeah. bit more efficiently in less time. Um, he's shooting 
around 49 or at 49 percent from three which is really that's good. ridiculous that's really good it's probably not going to stay that way but dang if he can shoot mid 40s from three or even 40 percent from three the bucks are a legit serious team they no, they definitely are and he's always looked like this good of a shooter the last few years he just wasn't always taking threes he right. was sometimes taking those long twos but this year Budenholzer's make sure it's a three-point shot, and it's going in. Yeah, he's taking more. Um, last year, he was a 35% three-point shooter um, with going kind of one of five-ish um, on average, um, taking one, or making one, taking five. Um, so, and he's taking three this year, closer to four, and making seven. Or, sorry, <laughs> I have that totally back it up. Uh, he's... Hitting around four and taking around seven. So, yeah, incredible. Um, just really, really good for Chris Middleton. Um, he's uh, and adding five rebounds and five assists per game, which is pretty solid. I like that. Kind of a complete game there. Um, and I think this is a contract year for him. So, Trying to get paid. Uh, this brings the question up what kind of contract do you think he'll get? We just talked about Otto Porter, who has, what, like a $100 million contract? Yeah, but the difference is Otto Porter is a lot younger than Chris Middleton is at this point. Chris Middleton's just turned 27. Otto yep. Porter is still, I think, like 24, 25. Yep. Knowing that he'll probably get something, if he wants it, like a four-year deal, that'll be kind of his prime. Um... 20 to 25 million a year. That's what I was kind of... I think, I, I think 25 is probably going to be closer to the number. Yeah, I just wonder if a team can be like, man, do we want to pay Chris Middleton $100 million? I think the Bucks are going to have to. Again, it might be one of those, like, someone throws it out there, and if they want to bring him back, they got to give it to him. Yep. Milwaukee might just. Um, um, I, I can think of, like... 29 other teams <laughs> that would want Chris Middleton on their team. Oh, for sure. It's just for how much. Right. Um, so, I, I think he he's playing well in a contract year, so that bodes well for him. Um, I was... I'm surprised, and I guess that this the whole point of the segment is why are you surprised? I'm mostly surprised by his willing to take threes in his three-point effectiveness. Like, hitting mm-hmm. 50% threes around Giannis is exactly what Milwaukee needs and exactly what they should have been doing all along, I guess. Wait, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who, who knew? Uh, everyone in the league knew, except for um, Jason Kidd, I guess. <laughs> God bless Jason Kidd. <laughs> rest, rest in peace to his coaching career in Milwaukee. Jason Kidd's not dead, I don't think, unless he just dropped dead, like, just nope. now. But... Um, yeah, Chris Middleton, really, really solid, really solid, really solid player uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, let's move to our bad players. Yeah, this is, this is going to be interesting. Um, you go first, Matt. What do you got? So it's not that he's played terribly, but he is not looking quite as sharp as he was last year. Sophomore slump. Is he a sophomore? I don't think this is a sophomore. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell should have been rookie of the year last year. So if you haven't picked it up by now, I'm talking about Ben Simmons. Um, he's just been, in the same way DeMar was up across the board, Ben Simmons has been very down across the board. So, again, I'm in love with advanced analytics. So, <laughs> looking at 
all kinds of different ways to tell you why Ben Simmons is having a bad year so far. Uh, right now, he's still playing about 31 minutes a game. Last year, he was about 34, so pretty much the same. Averaging 14 points per game right now on 50% field goal shooting. Hasn't taken a three yet. His free throw percentage has gone up to 62%. Um, that's terrible, though. Rebounding still around 8, 9 a game. Assists, okay, still around 8 a game. Turnovers still kind of high, almost 4 a game. What's concerning the most, though, is when he is on the floor, he's been obviously starting, and a lot with Markel Fultz. <laughs> That's not working. Not it's good. not working at all. So Ben Simmons right now, his offensive rating is about 100.6. Defensive rating, 103.6. Uh, so his net rating right now is at about a minus 3. Compared to last year, his net rating was plus almost 7. So this year, as compared to last year, the Sixers, if you just look at that number, are a better team with Ben Simmons off the floor. So that would be a lineup that consists more of Fultz running point guard with guys like Redick, Covington, Sarich, and Embiid with him. Essentially then Ben Simmons either with Fultz or in place of Fultz still not succeeding the way you would expect them to, considering Ben Simmons has got to play a full year already with Joel Embiid and the rest of this roster. Well, it's interesting because I think Fultz and Embiid haven't played a ton of minutes together just by themselves. Correct. Um, But that's been even worse. That's true. (laughs) That's been horrendous. I think defensively, it's just been a nightmare. I think... uh, Basketball Reference put out a tweet, maybe this past week, that had the top five um, lineups and bottom five lineups. Um, And this Fultz, Simmons, Saric, Covington, and Bede was in the bottom five. It's so bad. Which is so strange. That lineup should be really good defensively, I would think. Even if you're not looking at the stats, if you watch the game, no, it's just bad. One, Markel just doesn't know how to play NBA defense yet. Which, if you think of this as his rookie year, He's makes nine sense. Game, eight, nine games in. Yeah. And then Ben Simmons, he can play defense. I've seen him play defense. He doesn't play defense that much, though. Joel Embiid will just block shots, which is worth something. Yeah. Robert Covington is good in very specific matchups. So he's been he's been struggling. This he's year like to a start. step slow. Yeah, and then Dario Saric isn't known for his defense either. He's more of a playmaking shooter, more of that Ursan Eli Silva role. So knowing all this, yeah, there's no defense, and then the offense doesn't have a lot of spacing since Ben Simmons still can't shoot. Markel Fultz, I can't. I can't watch him shoot a basketball. <laughs> I just don't... I saw a clip of him the other day, and he shot, I think it was a three from the left wing, and the ball grazed the bottom of the backboard Oof. just to the left of the rim. Oof. Like, it was a good, like, six inches off to the left and significantly short. Like, you probably could find guys within, in, like, pickup basketball that shoot better than It him. felt like... I was watching it in a real basketball player for just a moment. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even close. Who thinks he's Steph Curry? Yeah. And then Joel <laughs> Embiid, like, having a monster year. He's still not a three-point threat consistently. Like, the percentages overall still aren't that great. Covington's not 
the greatest three-point shooter. He's average. And Dario Sarch is an average three-point shooter. So you have no spacing, no defense, and for whatever reason, what feels like a really forced situation that everyone just hopes will work, but it doesn't seem like they're really doing anything to make it work. Right. They're just throwing it out there and saying, we trust over time this will get better. I know we're still only about 10 games in. It hasn't gotten any better in 10 games. Well, I guess my thing is, what I would, if I were the Sixers, I would consider taking Fultz and staggering him, take putting him on the bench, bringing Reddick back into the starting lineup, which they had success with last year. Which they did. Got, him, got him to that's, the three seed. That's one of the better lineups in the NBA if you put Reddick in there instead. Right, because it gives so much more spacing for Embiid and Simmons. Um, because someone has to be within in JJ Reddick's jersey at all times to even yeah. uh, con- contest his threes. I. I don't know. Like I said a couple podcasts ago, one of my hot takes was trade Marco Fultz. Yeah, and I don't. I, still I, I don't, don't want to give up, up on Marco Fultz yet. Since this is technically his rookie, or I don't know if he's technically a rookie, but it's essentially his rookie season. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to say give up on him, but I I know why he's struggling. I get why he's struggling. I don't get why Ben Simmons is struggling. Yeah, and if you are, that's a good point. Rookie of the year. If you are an All NBA player and you are an All Star, you shouldn't be this negatively affected by, like you just said, essentially a backup guard that yeah. starts on with you. Like that shouldn't affect your game as much as it is, but it is. So that either tells me Ben Simmons isn't up to this. Ben Simmons wasn't ready for this, or Ben Simmons' talent is not good enough to overcome this. I, I'm. It makes me wonder, like, how much time did he put in the offseason? We've talked about that. Like, why is the jump shot not any better? Yeah. Why is the free throw shooting, it's up to 62%. That's still not good. That's, That's <laughs> so, really like, bad. What did he get better at? He was already a good rebounder. He was already a good passer. The turnovers haven't gone down at all. It doesn't look like he knows what he's doing any more out there this year than he did last year. So, what'd you do? It was like he read his own articles for the past summer and was like, "All right, well, we can we can do this." Embiid has been fantastic. He's oh. been like averaging like forty points a game. It, <laughs> it feels seems like, like. Um, but he's, he's kind of needed, he's kind of take he's kind of needed to because no one else That's on it. that offense is really doing yeah. much else. And you wonder like, would this be shining through as much for Embiid if everyone else was kind of doing what they were supposed to be doing? But they're not. So. Maybe Embiid could have been a positive surprise, whereas Simmons' complete opposite is, for me, a negative surprise for players. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. I I, I questioned Simmons in the past, and now this beginning of the season has not looked good for him. Mm -hmm. My bad player, and it hurts me to say this, (laughs) is Paul George. Paul George has career lows in essentially every category to start the <laughs> season. Like, you want to look at it. Um, just looking at his basic stats, not even advanced stats. Field goal percentage is down to 39%, which is not good. <laughs> Three-point three point has bit, gotten better over the last couple of the games because he's played the Washington Wizards. Say, so could it get worse? Uh, it was at th- It's at 32%. For reference, he shot overall 40% last year, which was really good. Um, free throw percentage is down to 78%. Um, assists are kind of the same. Turnovers are more. 
it just hasn't looked good for him yet. Um, his plus minus is down too, uh, but that could be because the Thunder have just yeah. struggled to start the season. Um, it's one of those though. I would have loved for him to kind of like take over when Russ was out. Yeah, I mean that's what you pay him for, right? Oh, you pay him a lot of money. Yeah. I, granted, I would say. I'm giving him kind of a pass because he's also on my team. Yeah. So it's kind of hard. Abrinas has played better, so that helps spacing. Westbrook is... (laughs) Say what you're going to say. Well, kind of the same idea with Simmons. Like, should Fultz be impacting you? Should Alex Abrinas, who pretty consistently falls out of the Thunder rotation, (laughs) be affecting Paul George this much, or this team this much? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a really good shooter, and that's desperately what this team needs, but should he be affecting Paul George this much? He shouldn't be affected. I I don't I Probably not. To answer the question, no. No, no. Not for someone who's getting paid over $30 million a year. No. He shouldn't. Um, I don't know what it is. He's kind of looked a step slow. He looked he, at times he's looked sharp, but then other times he's not looked good at all. Um, missing, uh, missing shots and like going eight of twenty and eight of twenty two and scoring twenty two points super un- inefficiently. Mm-hmm. It's just been a rough start. I think he could turn it around. I, just like I think Ben Simmons might turn it around. I don't think. The Thunder have as many lineup issues and as many question marks. Like, they don't have, is our number one pick going to turn into something? Exactly. Massive questions. You think shooters go through slumps? Clay Thompson is going through somewhat of a slump, even though he hit 14 threes. He broke it. Um, Yeah. So, I think shooters go through this. I was expecting more out of this Thunder team to start the season. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to start maybe hot and then finish slow. They might have to finish really, really hot to get to the playoffs, even yeah. at all, because they've put themselves in a tough situation. They had a nice win against New Orleans, but they've lost like six in a row at this point, which hasn't been good for them. Um, well, and update on the Westbrook injury. It's a left ankle sprain. To be determined on how long he's out. There. So maybe Paul George can up his numbers some by yeah. playing by himself. I don't know. It, it's a weird. It's interesting because I think when Westbrook and George have been on the floor together, it's been really effective because mm-hmm. they use they pick and roll a lot or they get that that switch a lot. Um, so getting a guard on Paul George is really really helpful, and especially when you're shooting threes, it's a little bit easier. So, I don't know. I expect him to turn it around, but I've been surprised about how bad he's been this year. He wasn't good in the playoffs last year either for the Thunder, which yeah. is a little bit concerning. Um, but I'm hopeful he can turn around because we're paying him a lot of money. Yeah. Not we. The Thunder are paying him <laughs> a lot of money. Um, so, that's – I mean, do you have anything you want to add about Paul George and his – Shooting woes? No, not really. Um, on one, I just googled the Oklahoma City Thunder schedule for the end of the year. So, like your last nine games are Memphis, Indiana, Denver, Dallas, Lakers, Pistons, Timberwolves, Rockets, Bucks. That's not necessarily like an easy end of. It depends on who's sitting. Yeah, honestly, because if Houston and Milwaukee are just sitting, dudes. If by that point Minnesota's imploded, if Detroit has either gone for the tank or just beats Detroit, yeah, like some of those games might end up being easier than 
what we're looking at right now. But that's not something I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, just get to the end of the year and then pull it out. And then last thing, I was just curious. I feel like Alex Abrinas has been on Oklahoma City forever, but he really hasn't. It's only been like three seasons. Yeah, so he's going to be a restricted free agent um, next year. Yeah. And his qualifying offer is just under $7 million a year. Is Alex Abrinas worth more than $7 million a year? That's a tough. That's the question of the year. If he keeps playing like this, like I think I'm interested to see. Um, here, I'm gonna pull up his stats really, really, really quick because I'm interested to see his shooting numbers. And if he, let's see here, three point percentage, he's 35 percent this year, which is oddly down from the last two seasons. I didn't think it. I'll say it didn't start well, but I mean, I feel like it's. Uh, so, I mean, the Thunder needs shooting. Like, they need shooting. So maybe just, like, a made three here and there just looks really good, but you don't realize how many he misses. Yeah. Because everyone misses on this team. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I would pay him. Yeah. I would pay him. Because who else are you going to go get? Like, the Thunder are pretty that, capped, I mean, locked. That's the point is, like, what else is going to, like, get better? So either I bet he either accepts that qualifying offer at just about $7 million a year, or they offer him basically that amount per year, but over three or four years. Yeah. Maybe he takes it. Maybe he just doesn't want to be in Oklahoma City anymore. I don't know, obviously. But I'm just really curious to see what happens. They have all year to extend them, too. Um, yeah. They didn't They didn't have that deadline of October 31st, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question that the Thunder are going to have to figure out this year. <laughs> and it's, again, it, we shouldn't be saying this, but if the Thunder lose Alex Abrinas, what are they going to do? But, like, that's an actual question because, yeah. like, who else on this team is going to shoot? Right. If, it'll be interesting to see when Robertson comes back how Billy Donovan handles that transition with Diallo, Abrinas, and Ferguson. Um, it'll be interesting to see who gets the minutes there. Yeah. I would imagine Ferguson gets his minutes severely cut and Abrinas and Diallo because apparently the Thunder just love Diallo. He's played really well. I wouldn't cut his minutes significantly. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Again... Who, who just who but plays? Out of out of those players I just named, Abrinas is really the only shooter. Yeah. Well, and yeah, if you include Andre in that conversation, yeah, he's still the only shooter. So, so you kind of almost have to play him. Yeah, it's kind of a, it. It's a weird situation there because the, again, the Thunder are one of those teams who are cap locked, but. I think I think they'll probably if I had if I had a gun to my head I would say they pay Alex Brinas the what probably a smart thing to do quali- just add offer. a good number yeah um, okay let's let's go to our final segment which is game of the week Matt what do, who do you have this game of the so week? hopefully if everyone plays this could be a really fun game on Thursday November eighth Bucks at Warriors nine thirty Central Time um, I would have the Warriors win in that game one thirty one twenty eight close game. Yeah, the Bucks are in Portland Tuesday night, I think, and they get a day off. I think Golden State actually has three days off before that game, so they get quite people a bit should, of a break. People should be playing. That's what I would love to see is all these dudes, like Giannis is ready, Middleton's ready, Durant, Curry, Thompson, all ready, and that could be just a really fun game on Thursday night, and I have Warriors 130, Bucks 128. Um, yeah, that those lineups should be interesting to watch to see who plays defense on who yeah. and how, how the Bucks are able to keep up if they are able to keep up with the Warriors. 
Warriors in terms of switching and on defense because the Warriors are super unique and maybe maybe one of the greatest teams of all time. Exactly. Um, so it'll be it'll be a fun match. That's a fun matchup. I have the 76ers at Pacers. Um, it's kind of I think an interesting Eastern Conference matchup because. I think they're both middle of the road Eastern mm-hmm. Conference teams right now, and it'll be kind of interesting to see how Odipo plays. And again, we talked about the 76ers and their issues, and see, yeah. see how those. Um, it's televised. It's 7 p.m. Central Time. It's on ESPN. Um, I have the Pacers winning 112 over the Sixers at 106. Um, Victor Odipo, ice in his veins, put putting your Celtics, Celtics away the other yeah. night. He did, and that was kind of a bummer to see that. Kyrie had a pretty good game, and then that happened. But you know what? It happens. So. It, I mean, it's a game in November. The Celtics aren't really going to be hurt over that. I'm not much. worried. And that's all we got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening to the Couch GM Podcast. Matt, do you have anything you want to add before you get we get out of here? Um, the Fergie remix is the best thing on the internet. The Fergie remix? The Fergie remix of the National Anthem. Oh, yeah, yeah. Come okay, on. okay. That, I was like, what in the world? Uh, yeah, that, that dance is hilarious. You're not a Fergie Ferg fan? I am not. Okay. Uh, I listen to podcasts instead of <laughs> trash music. Um, remember to follow us on Twitter, at NBA Couch GM Pod. Uh, you can find us again on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Thank you so much for li- listening to this podcast, and we'll see you back next week. 